calm down, Greg. It's soccer. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 13 of the Virtual Pubs Premier Pod. My name is Kyle, and we've got our Match Week 8 review episode today. And after a big, big, big weekend in the Premier League, I'm joined by Max to review it all. How we doing, man? Oh, it was a great weekend for soccer. It really was. This season yeah. continues to be so much fun. Yeah, it's nice just getting into the flow of the Premier League. You kind of get an understanding of what what's at play, what are the teams like going into it. Or at least that's what you would think, but this this season almost unpredictable as far as game to game scale well we started getting a flow and then boom another international break for us sadly that's good for us too because it t- gives us time to go and uh examine on how the season's been and kind of take a backward step and then and look at every, all the teams and everything how they've been through the first i don't know about not a, not a quarter per se of the season but a little bit less like a fifth of the season quick math there kyle quick math quick math <laughs> yeah but as we do on every single review episode we always have our 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 VAR checkup and see how our buddy VAR is doing <laughs> as far as the seasons because he sure has gotten a couple timeouts for, through the first early parts of the, the, this season and I know of course of last season too and it was on r- relatively good behavior as far as I'm, uh, I've seen all the games but except for uh, <laughs> except for the one it, it's definitely slipped up did you see that one during the uh, on the Leeds Crystal Palace game yeah I was sitting there. I was away for the weekend with some friends who I played soccer with in college. We were sitting there watching the game, maybe drinking a mimosa, and we uh, <laughs> we watched the play happen, and they score, and we're like, yeah, it looks good. They show the replay. The guy's pointing, and he's pointing. Arm is offsides, and we're all like, yeah, I mean, that's what you do. You point, and it's just it's how it is. And then we we're like, there's no way did. they're going to call this back. Absolutely not. And then it happened, and they're like, what? what is happening? Because they don't follow soccer as closely as I do, and I have to explain to them. The rule changed, and now VAR looks at everything, and they were like, this is so dumb. It's like, absolutely. Well, the worst part is also for us who've been watching the Premier League and keeping up to date on how these VAR calls have been decided. And the worst part is when you're watching one of those games and watching one of those VAR checks, and you're in the back of your mind, you're like, every single time, it, I always get caught with it. It's like, oh, they're not going to call this. They're not going to call this back, right? Like, that's ridiculous that they would call this back. And then they get their lines out. And then you're like, well, yeah, I guess technically, like, the bottom of his armpit might be a centimeter in front of because he's pointing with the ball. But it just, it's just every single time you're just like, they're going to call this back. Like, they're going to call this back. We'll just watch them. And then time and time again, we're just left there with their heads hanging low, just being like, God damn it, we're just getting trapped with this VAR bullshit every single week. Yeah, and now it seems to be more like, I'm not sure why the role moved from armpit to where like t-shirt length or whatever it is now like the armpit makes a lot more sense especially in and this is exactly why because when you're learning to play soccer all the coaches tell you you know point where you want the ball even if you can't talk to your teammate point where you want them to go and they can see that and feed it into that area and this just is exactly why it should be armpit because he's just pointing there he's gaining no advantage by having his arm out at all and he technically he's offsides by the rule so like what what can you do about it they just have to rewrite the rule i think yeah i think they they maybe need to go into it a little bit how they've been taking their first couple steps of changing the handball rule because there's a little bit for that new handball rule it's a little bit in the discretion of the referee they like tell him hey you need to go take a look at this and he looks at it and if he thinks that it's a handball call or not depending on like how far away they are if it's intentional like if it's near their body, because the rule right now is if like you can have your hands down by your sides, if it hits your hand, it's like a handball. So like that obviously needed changing because like what I, I mentioned on an earlier, um, like earlier episode was that like what's going to stop players from, you know, because we've seen the progression from the 80s of soccer where players will start diving more and more like it's almost taught now where you go into the box if you get touched or something if you get clipped or whatever you should probably go down like we saw it in the liverpool man city game there was an instance right before 
uh, Mane went down. Saul, or Sterling got, got a little clip in the box. And to his credit, he stayed on his feet and didn't get the penalty call. Mane goes down, he gets clipped, which was a fair penalty, but it was still like one that's like a, if you stay on your feet, you stay on your feet and you probably don't get the call. But if you go down, you get the call and you get a goal. And it was worrying for me to, to go and watch this and be like, what's how far away are we from players just purposely lifting the ball up when you're there right next to a defender and just like purposely trying to hit his hand? No, the rule's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a ridiculous shout. I think it's, I mean, people are playing, playing the game to make money and it's their career. They got to win however they can win. If that's how they're going to do it. I mean, I guess more power to them until the rule gets changed. Yeah. But I wish it would be a little bit more of like a personal, like judgment call seeing, like, okay, hey, this is a close offsides call. Maybe I, – I think the, the problem everyone has is when they break out the lines, when they, like, bring out, bring out the little, like, the engineering software lines where they're pulling the X, Y, and Z axis and trying to line it up to this guy's armpit and the other guy's armpit. And it's just like, what, what are we doing here? Just, like, just, yeah, like, tell the referee, hey, you might want to go take a look at this. Go look at the monitor. He goes look at the monitor and from – human viewpoint if he can't either change the call in the field or make a decision whether he's offsides or not based off of looking back and reviewing it again and then it should be an offsides or not based off what he his opinion of what he sees i th- i think people could get behind that a lot more because it's just, it's almost so criminal the way they they break out these lines and it's like oh yeah he was offsides by like a millimeter if by our calculations here where when even when they line it up they're not always correct so yeah that's kind of my opinion on it is that i wish it was they kept the lines out of it they kind of did it a little bit how we do it in the nfl and college football here in america where we go and review it then the referees just kind of look at it like if we were watching it on tv yeah i guess one of the i guess what would be the comparable part in the nfl where you could draw a straight line like the line of scrimmage, but that's not, that's a harder. I mean, they, they could do it there. There's, there's sometimes, because the only comparison to the NFL is like when they're trying, when someone challenges the spot of the mm, okay yeah. uh, spot of where they are in the field. Like if someone's going for a first down and, and the referee draws them like, Oh, you, you were down a yard short or half a yard short. And it's like, and people are on TV and reviewing it. Like, uh, no, it kind of looks like he got the first down. And then they go and review that. They don't break out the lines. They still do that by just, just looking at it again. Yeah, marking it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's enough about this VAR talk. We talk about it every week. Kyle, why don't you walk us through some of the picks for this weekend? Let's talk about how it went. I almost had my first positive week. I was excited about it, but ended up going just slightly negative. Well, you almost made the miraculous comeback of the likes that we've never seen before because we were just talking about this before the episode. Max whiffed on the first five picks of the the first five games in the weekend and went over five, looking like it was going to be one of the worst weekends we've ever seen in the in the Prem picks tournament that, or competition that we've been doing. But clawed his way back to to finish four, five, and one, uh, only dropping two point seven units for the weekend. So. So impressive that you were able to find that perseverance, Max. I gotta give it. I'll to tell you me. what, I was uh, thought it was gonna go zero and six when uh, Fulham Fulham gets a last minute penalty kick before the just atrocity of chipping yeah. it down the middle. I don't even know if that ball would have gone to the goal. It was going so slow and slow chip down the middle. Oh it was my! So it was one of the worst penalties. I've I ever always, seen. I've always thought about that whenever like somebody does a Penanka penalty where it's. It's one of like the high risk, high reward things that we have in soccer where it's you do a chip, you look amazing if it goes in. You look like you're the cheekiest little bastard on the field and you just like look like you're the big stud going to the goal pitch. Like you can stare down the goalkeeper as the ball crosses over the goal line and you just look great when doing it. But of course, (laughs) you get it all wrong where like you chip in and it goes over which we've seen before if you chip it and they catch it like i've always been waiting for someone to do a chip and the goalkeeper doesn't move they just stand still and just like just catch it with one hand or something like that something crazy like that this is, obviously that was a little bit worse which is an all-time betting win with uh west ham minus minus a half a yep. goal up one nothing and then in the 98th minute they go and uh save a penalty off of a missed panenka just Crazy, crazy scenes. Crazy scenes. It really turned around my week. Uh, well, we'll run through everybody else's uh, 
how they did on the past weekend. I went five, four, and one, only down 0.3 units. Not too bad. Tim had a great weekend, finishing seven, two, and one, up 8.1 units. That's two. That's back to back weeks for with Tim in the positive. James, uh, I know I mentioned it before when we were talking about you talking about one of the worst weekends we've ever seen in Prem Picks history. And that's what we got out of James, quite frankly. He went one, eight, and one. One, eight, and one, folks. Down 16.2 units. <laughs> we're, we're getting into the territory where people might want us to wait for James's picks just to make the opposite one. <laughs> just to pick the other way. I wouldn't blame yeah, him. Yeah, just, like, just wait for him to go through all 10 picks because you would – Think about it, you would go eight and one. You would go eight and one if you went the if you look what James picked and you just did the opposite, <laughs> which is like which is incredibly wild. Yeah, but James down sixteen point two units on the weekend. Christian was four five and one down a whopping eleven point one units after putting a ten burger on Man City to cover the half goal spread, which is crazy. But we'll get into that later. Um, great. Also with a great weekend, the best weekend out of any of us, any of us on the virtual pub team here, he was six, three and one up 8.4 units. So gray continues his dominance in the prem picks despite, and we bring it up every single weekend. He doesn't even look at the goddamn spreads. He just picks the team that he thinks is going to win. And, and that's what he does. He hides the picks, the, the spread column is wild. It's a bold but, strategy. Let's get into a little bit more of the, the talking points for the games that we just uh, we watched over the past weekend. Of course, we want to start with the biggest one on the weekend. We're both Liverpool supporters. Man City won, Liverpool won. Uh, first interesting thing before this game even started, Klopp pulling out the, the front four for the, one of the first times in the Premier League for, for Liverpool, starting Jota, Firmino, Salah, and Mane. Yeah, I don't know if it... I liked it at times, and I didn't like it at times. I think it'll work sometimes, but I wouldn't want it to be the go-to formation always. That's pretty much where I stand on it, I think, for now. Yeah, it it, it is weird because you can maybe see that it wouldn't, like, just throwing an extra attacker wouldn't work in everybody's team, but with Firmino being almost already such a deep uh, like playing center forward where he's not a true striker in any sense of the word like he goes in and 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 that's the one thing that I always hate whenever people bring up Bobby Firmino and they they bring up his gold tallies or brings up his like assist tallies and stuff it's he's not in there to score goals there's a reason why our wingers like Salah and Mane have gotten the golden boot Every, almost every single year be, while this front three have been playing, be, uh, besides last year, of course. Like, they, like Sala won in his first year, breaking the records for a number of goals, and then the next year, Sala and Mane both shared the golden boot. So there's a reason for that, and that reason, quite frankly, is Bobby Firmino. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I think I really like it because he, he is like someone who goes up there and stays in the press, and, and to be frank, like he would be great in that kind of like number eight role where he sits like not maybe not the number 10 role where he's sitting right behind the striker, but maybe someone who doesn't go too far um, past the halfway line or not, maybe not all the way to the box, but someone who can put in a tackle like Bobby typically does when we're pressing and, and still add that attacking and link up play uh, effect that we've seen him in the past couple of years. Yeah. And I think like the one big thing that I took away from it was it looked really good for the first 20 or 25 minutes. I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't tell if it was an adaptation from Pep to really neutralize the crazy attack that we had going and the, the really nice press we had going, but it seemed like by the time yeah. the second half rolled around and I think it was a little bit of players getting tired. Um, but things just didn't look the same anymore. Mm-hmm. They were they weren't generating as many chances. The press wasn't as good. So I I think it has to be some exhaustion in there. But I I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, me too. It's it is it's hard to tell. Like we've we've seen Klopp and Pep come out this week both complaining about the number of fixtures that we've had. Oh, and and mm-hmm. Oligon Soul Shark went on his first little rant too that they're complaining about the number of fixtures. The not having everybody else in Europe is allowed to have five subs to be able to save, say, get fresh legs and stuff. But um, England has stayed with the the three sub rule, the traditional three sub rule. But yeah, I it we also went against what's most likely going to be who's the second best 
team in the in the Premier League. It's either Liverpool or Man City. Typically, this year might be a little bit different because it is 2020. So God knows what what's going to happen next. But anything can happen. Um, yeah, anything can happen. But I don't know. I I really like the front four. Um, I because I do like Bobby Firmino so much, but it is so hard sometimes to look at Jota and say he needs to be on the bench and Bobby Firmino needs to start in front of him because the goal numbers and what we saw against Atalanta, Atalanta is is just eye-opening of what that front three can be if if they can make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a classic to me. It was a classic early season Man City versus Liverpool for the last three years where both teams just really don't want to lose the game. And then they both, they both they get tied yeah. and they're both like, you know what? I think we're cool with staying tied because we don't want to lose this game. That's all the first meeting between these teams have looked for the last few years now. And it's a little it's a little sad that you don't have two teams just running at each other like crazy and getting sweet score lines, but they just don't want to lose, which you can't blame them for early in the season. I mean, it was a, one of the most entertaining first halves uh, we've seen all season in the Premier League. It was so back to back and forth. And uh, I did want to ask you, so, like, in real-life scenario, if someone, like, if, if someone pressed pause in real life and on the game, you're watching it, Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> has that penalty. He's standing on the, on the penalty spot. How, and someone's saying, I'll give you, like, even odds. Like, if it's like, oh, if you bet, like, for, if it, for it to go in, if you bet $100, I'll give you $100. i will match it. Like, I'll double your money. It's like, almost like the roulette wheel. Like, you got to pick red or black. How much are you realistically putting on Kevin De Bruyne to to score? I'm that putting penalty? so much money on it. I I could I mean I could not believe that he missed the net. I I, I don't think I would have bet an outrageous amount of money that he would at the very least put it on goal. I just can't. I unbelievable. I, mean, I couldn't believe that. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, that just happens with penalties sometimes. Really, really good players just that miss. is the crazy and it's craziness. That is the crazy thing about that. Pen is that, yeah, it's not even like Allison guessed the right way, got like, oh, he, he picked the right way, unlucky. De Bruyne, De Bruyne just missed him that, like, it was never going to go in because he just missed the whole goal. Yeah. Outrageous. And I did see some things that were like he missed by a lot. Well, he missed by like, he missed hitting the post by like, I don't know, a foot? Maybe, inches, maybe six but, inches, six yeah. inches to a foot somewhere there. He didn't miss by that yeah. much. And he sent Allison. It wasn't horrendous. He sent Allison but, the wrong yeah. way. So I mean, he did. He did a lot of things Completely right. It way. just it was about a foot to the left when it needed to be a foot more to the right. So it happens to the best players. It didn't seem like the most. Right. It felt like justice was served a little bit. A classic ball doesn't lie, because I didn't think the handball was particularly a handball. But I just sound like a biased Liverpool fan, so I won't rant about it. Um, but yeah. what are you gonna do? The ball doesn't lie. That's what I think. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I I saw that, and you always think that with basketball, like oh, the ball doesn't lie. You made a bad call, like oh, you missed your free throw, and it's always it's not always like that for <laughs> for this because pens are usually like such an easily converted goal, and it's such a huge swing in the game. But yeah, jo- Joe Gomez getting the. I didn't want to talk about that either when the bar thing because that's just the rule that we have now, and it is a little bit justified. And that ref just thought it was a. It was that's not necessarily a VAR thing. They have to go and look at it. It hits his yeah. hand. He has to go and hey, look at that. He went over it, the monitor. Um, he looked at it. He thought it was a handball. Things. I don't totally agree with him, but I, I accept it much more than the pointing to the offsides rule. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I was just like, that's the referee's opinion. Like he he got told to go look at it, and just like you said, yeah, he called it. Um, but I don't know. I w- I was pleased with the one goal. I I was a there. I would be lying if there was a part of me going into that game where I wasn't worried that we didn't have Van Dyke back there and that we could have issues at the back. But it seemed like that the um, Trent looked a little bit better defensively lately. Robertson has been immense, I think, defensively, defensively. But um, overall, a pretty even game. I think any other result would have been a little bit unfair. I think it uh, ended up being a draw, but it, I think it's more to a credit of what you mentioned earlier that both these teams weren't trying to lose more than they were going out there yeah, trying to win. Definitely. And James Milner making an appearance at right back after Trent got hurt like a boss. He just 
and we'll see more of him probably or our NECA Williams. Yeah, it'll definitely Joe. be interesting we'll to see, see what Klopp does. I think I'm good either way. Um, I think you got to get the. I I like giving the young kids the chances, so I, I'd like to see Williams back there a little bit. It'll be t- quite telling of what Klopp's future plans are for Williams, um, and if if that um, what we could be potentially looking for in the transfer market maybe in the summer because. If he doesn't play Williams here for our next couple of games in the Premier League or, or whatever, he clearly isn't in Klopp's future yeah. plans, I think. Am I wrong for thinking that? I mean, he's he's young, but he's not super young. He's he's around the same age now than that Trent was when he got his yeah. first chance. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I totally agree with you. Our next game's against Leicester City, which does make the decision a little tougher. That's a game where you don't want to have a young kid have Jamie Vardy all over him, which uh, could make things tough. Yeah, agreed. Good either way. Tough. But, I mean, Trent, Trent has won his first years locked down Ronaldo oh. on, that, on that left wing. So. In his pocket, <laughs> baby. <laughs> in his back pocket. Well, let's move on to some of the other games. The other team in Merseyside, Everton hosted the team that we all thought was on the hot seat, Man United. Um, but United go in there. Bruno Fernandez, man of the match. He looked, I mean... He is Mr. United right now, Bruno Fernandez, and and Ollie. I think I I believe Ollie owes him a big deal. Of thanks because I made this claim on our preview episode. Uh, I thought if if uh, United lost that match, that Ollie was going to get sacked. Bold. They seem to be giving him a lot of leadway. It was bold, which is yeah. I mean, and it has to be that way. He's a club legend. Like he's an ex-player. That is kind of the tricky situation you get in. You can't just go and like throw him in the in this, on the streets and just kick him out and like keep recycling and pumping and dumping these these legends and stuff. Like he is part of the United family. You, you can't just go and and throw yeah, him out. I, I didn't love his reaction after the game. He just he didn't talk much about his team playing a what I thought was a pretty strong overall performance. He talked all about the fact that they were set up to fail because they played in Turkey. Wednesday night, flew back from Turkey Thursday morning to play a Saturday afternoon game. Sure, I think, but a lot of other teams are dealing with that as well. I think you got to praise your team a little bit. I, I think I'd be a little bit upset if I put in a really good performance on the team as a as a player on the team and then didn't get a little a little praise for it from the coach in front of the media. Agreed. It, and it's one of those things I've seen a lot of people talk about too. It's not like this is a first where teams have played on a Wednesday and then played on a Saturday. Like, this happens all the time. Like, think about the Europa League teams. Like, there's t- many teams in the Premier League that play on a Thursday, and then we'll have to play on a Friday or play on a yeah, Saturday they, or Sunday. Like, and that's even worse. I think they almost always have to about it. always like, play on a Sunday if they play on Thursday. Um, I don't know if it, it must have been the particular travel. Like, he kept bringing up that they played in Turkey. I don't know how far the flight is from Turkey to – Manchester. I'll be 100% honest. I, I imagine it's pretty far. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pro- pretty much as far as a flight gets, as far as European continent gets, because it's obviously the bottom right <laughs> all the way to the top left in Manchester. But um, <laughs> Really nice uh, geography knowledge. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's not an easy flight, but I mean, you're taking private jets. Like, you're, it's like, you're not, yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah, I think, there is, like, I think there's a player safety portion of the things. Uh, and, and I'm not sure why so many teams voted against the five sub rule, but I imagine it would have to have been all the teams that aren't playing in Europe thought it would be an advantage to the big teams and give them more of an advantage than they already have with all the money they yeah. have. So I'm assuming it was something related to that. Yeah. I, I believe it was too. What's what's your take on that? What um, If you were to look back... Maybe being a Liverpool fan and then trying to take your bias away. What also? I don't know. I don't really see the big problem with having five players. I think it's a way to help teams implement young players as well. So you give young players maybe chances at the end of the games more often when you have an extra two subs on top of giving players generally more rest and being able to cycle your team a little bit. So I, I, but I totally understand that. Smaller teams don't have as much depth as the big teams. They don't have a bunch of sweet 18, 19-year-olds sitting on their bench. You know, they might have some veteran club players that are older now that are coming off their bench. And, you know, they don't quite have the depth that the Liverpools and the Man Cities have in particular. So, 
I think I get both sides of it. I, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it is a really hard thing to judge because you do want to be a little sympathetic to the top teams that are in our league, because let's just be frank that like they are worried about champions league. They're worried about Europa league and they're holding their hands up saying, Hey, like the Spanish league, German league, French league, all these leagues and the Italian league, they're, they're all playing with five subs. Like they're all getting players that are rested and we're, and like Klopp said, like our players are dropping, like they're getting hurt because of the schedule and the way that 2020 has been with the short off season and everything. Players are getting hurt for playing so many games in one year. Um, And, and we are the only league in Europe, one of the major league in Europe that's playing with three subs and, and I totally get it also for the smaller teams, the way it's already set up where teams can only spend as much as they make on based off of the uh, financial fair play rules. It already sets a precedent for giving an advantage to the bigger teams because we can go and spend more. And I do see how it can be really heartbreaking where you, you have a great performance and then like a Liverpool can go and bring on, like we can bring on Minamino, Shakiri, Jota, um, like Keita and like another midfielder or defender or something like that, or Simicus and left back or something. Like we can bring on five game changers that would probably all start on most other teams in the Premier League. So I, I do I do hear the other side, and it, it is hard to it's it's hard to feel one way. I think I I think I do like the three role because I know it is a weird year. And I like to keep as much of normalcy as as possible. And I think it's it's really unfortunate that uh, that we see like Trent get injured, who's on a major team, and then it's just kind of an excuse to complain and point the finger at oh, it's because we're still using three subs, not five. Like would would Trent have gone off in any of those games? Maybe save twenty minutes here or there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think that um, the other thing I was thinking about was with the Euros coming up this summer. It's going to be another shortened summer for the players. So it'll be interesting to see that, hey, we have a year where maybe like a ton of players are getting hurt in the Premier League, maybe more than normal. Are they going to relook at it and say, okay, we have another pretty crazy year next year coming up. Um, are we going to look at it again and go to five subs? So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they look at it over the year and maybe if they change the role next year. Certainly. Yeah. I, I don't totally want to agree. totally glance over – uh, well, Bernard's goal, because you know, I'm number one Bernard fan in the U.S., even though he's on Everton. Yeah. Love Bernard. I don't know if he meant to kick it through the guy's legs and go to your yeah. post, but hey, he scored a goal, and I love it, even though he lost 3-1. You're your player of the season last year. You're predicted the last season. He's so, he, committed season. A, he committed a foul that he didn't think was a foul. I don't know if you saw this. Probably not. He, he committed a foul he didn't think was a foul, and I was watching the game, and he literally looked like he was going to cry. He was so upset. He looked like a little child who was going to cry. It was so cute. What a guy. And Cavani got his Love first it. goal. Oh, man. Cavani gets his first goal. Um, yeah, I it's, it's hard to take away from this because it was it, – the scoreline kind of does it a little bit uh, injustice because it was a little bit closer of a game that three one may suggest, but yeah, it's really solid win from United. I don't expect them to keep <laughs> this form going. It's th- I, I brought it up on um, our preview episode that I think like you like United every single time they go into these bad ruts, and then as soon as it's like Ollie's on the hot seat, like they like they they had the like last season they had the one of the worst starts and Man United Premier League history, or not even Premier League, but it just in Man United history had one of the worst starts to a season. And they pulled the ace out of their back pocket with signing Bruno Fernandes, and he comes in and electrifies their lineup, and they end up getting third somehow. Um, and then again and again, we always see, once it seems to be going up to that last game, Man United pull the ace out of their back pocket and say, nope, we're doing fine, nope, we're doing fine. Um, so I'm looking to see United drop more points moving forward here after a big emotional win. Yeah, it's just win. so tough at the top right now. A lot of smaller teams playing really well. They see a chance to do well in the Premier League this year. And I think uh, really teams well. that are a little less organized and don't quite have like strong leadership on the team could really struggle against some of those just ha- really, really hardworking, maybe smaller teams that see the opportunity to come to the top. And maybe that is the one of the advantage too for other teams that are a little bit lower in the table, they don't have to play as many games. And so 
they're well rested if they're already a team that's playing well, have decent players, but are playing half the matches. We could be seeing a, a pretty weird Premier League table. Yeah, and it's interesting because some of the smaller teams don't. No I'm guessing not as many of their players go on international break as well, so they probably get more time to chill. And yeah, so even more another yeah. advantage for them. I wanted to ask um, what you what, so what do you hmm. think of Everton right now? They were one of the hottest teams to start the season. Well, going perfect through the first four games. Of course, the first time they dropped points was um, at home to Liverpool in a in a two two draw, and really since then they haven't found their form that they used to have. Calvert Lewin was flying at the start of the season; he's still doing okay, but they've lost two games in a row now, and it's almost uh, really hard to judge of what Everton is moving forward as far as a particular. We let, we do a bunch of picks on this show, so we kind of. Ideally, want to get a feel for what these teams. Yeah, are I actually still like have a lot of forward. faith in Everton as a team. I think they have a really strong coach. I think they have a pretty solid team. Um, I just never thought that Rick Carlson was going to make such an impact being out, but he seems to really be making the team does not look as good without yeah. him. So I think once he comes back, I actually have a decent amount of confidence in the team to have a strong season still. Yeah, I do too. I I'm, I might need to pump the brakes on like the the top six prediction i'll go they're they're a lock for the top six um and i i'm actually mistaken that ever since they dropped points to liverpool they've lost their last three games they lost two nothing to southampton two one newcastle and now three one to man united so three games in a row picking up zero points um but like i said I, i think they really need to pump the brakes or i need to pump the brakes on the top six top four prediction for uh for everton be but but then again, they like do they get top sure six? They can get their know. scoring boots back on next weekend when they play against Fulham, or I guess that's what two weekends from now now. So, but speaking of a team that doesn't need to find their their shooting boots because they already got oh, on. Man, do they look, they look so they're so fun what and exciting, team. and I just love so many of their players, and it's so they're just a fun team to watch. I can't hate them. Yeah, it's a tough team yeah. to hate for sure. Um, Warner is just coming. He is exactly what I thought he would be in the Premier League. And uh, now that he's just, maybe it took him a few more games to, you know, um, get used to the Premier League more than I thought. But, man, he's looking so good now. Yeah, Chelsea 4, Sheffield United, it was how that one shook out. It's, and I mean, they and credit to Chelsea, they did that after Sheffield United scored the first goal. So you know what Sheffield United's going to do. They score an early goal. It's worst case scenario for you because they're going to put 11 men in the box and just defend the crap out of the goal. And if they give up one, that's fine. They'll take the point. They're absolutely happy with one point. And so you got to get two before things got to start opening up. And credit to, to Chelsea. Not only did they get two, yeah. but they got four. And credit to Werner. He's looking a lot better. But the team, the player that I think is really making this whole thing click is Ziyech. He is crazy good. His crosses and the way he can whip in a ball and pick out a spot on his free kicks, his corners, his crosses. It's 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 almost Kevin Ooh. De Bruyne asking how, how good he is at passing the ball around. But obviously he doesn't have the weak foot or not as two footed as De Bruyne, but the way he can whip in a cross it every single one that he put yeah, in. Yeah, he's extremely talented. He's very good in the ball. He's very good at playing the ball is again, like you said, he, the way he can whip in a ball is so impressive. I just when people can do that, it's just amazing to me. So it'll be interesting to see if he can stay as consistent in this team and, um, you know, consistently play those balls and uh, stay as really a playmaker on the squad. Yeah. And I know Gray was looking at this one. Gray, our, our resident Chelsea fan, he was looking into this game because he knew Havertz was going to be out. Was He was looking and like, because that was the one big question mark around the Havertz signing is that they have a couple players that could play the position that, Havertz does so it's like that was kind of a weird and expensive signing but he wasn't playing this game it didn't really look like they missed him so um be curious to see what kind of an impact he can yeah, make yeah absolutely that type of squad I don't know if you feel the same way but I just I love Thiago Silva I don't know why I just always really liked the guy I've got to get you know I do he too got score sheet this game he's been playing pretty solid for Chelsea it's nice to see him in the Premier League 
I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I know I, I talked about how when I first kind of really fell in love with soccer and just watching the games and everything was the 2014 World Cup in Brazil and just watching Tiago captain that side. He just like always looked like just a gladiator in the fence and just like a super solid, really, really incredibly athletic guy. And I think I've always just kind of had a soft spot for him and really liked him. And But of course, he was always playing for PSG since then so it was really hard to watch him week in and week out and they only really got to see him in um in the champions league but you know it is good to see him in, in the and it's nice it's prime. always nice to see a center back that's really good who's not that big you know they're not like it's like someone like yeah. van dyke is they're just they're just a giant on the soccer pitch like i said just like a six foot guy he's not like right. ripped and giant or anything you know he's just like a really fit athletic dude Oh, so fun. He's super so fun athletic. Yeah. Such a cool player. And he's 36. Agreed. He's pretty old. To be playing center back for like 36. a top Premier League team. And that's what people were. Impressive. Yeah, I agree. And maybe the Prem is like the league for him. There's not that much speed, maybe. Yeah. And people are more focused on like defensive shape and stuff like that. And I mean, he's that perfect player. And I think. And, I, and people were slating Chelsea for that signing, and it's not a bad one. He's going to be that leadership at the back. He's going to be able to organize everybody in that back line to know what they need to do. Kurt Zuma looks like a, a different player playing next to Thiago Silva. Um, I really like Reese James, really like Ben Chilwell more than I thought I would playing that left-back position. Ben Chilwell has, like, more goals than a lot of players in the Premier League. I think he has like three or four goals from the left back position. He it's a lot he of looks like he's going to score every single game. Cannot be upset about that one. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, but let's move on here. Uh, it's enough Chelsea <laughs> talk, especially with Grain on in the, in the episode. <laughs> but uh, the other game was a little bit more of a stinker. Was West Brom versus Tottenham? Touching on all the the big six teams here. Tottenham, once again, uh, I'm curious of what you think, what your opinions are of them moving forward. After, well, I course, hated the yellow weeks. jerseys. I think that's the first time I may have seen them. They just, they're really yeah. not a nice yellow color. So we'll start with that. Not a fan of the jerseys. No. Um, but besides that, I, I'm not, I mean, I think everyone, I'm probably lowest on the pod compared to everyone else on Tottenham. I think they are... They just, if Harry Kane gets hurt, I think that team just crumbles is the problem. Like, they are, so, I think they're so reliant on him because yeah. he's an incredibly good presser of the ball. He's an incredibly good passer of the ball, and he's great at scoring goals. He's exactly what you want in a player up top. He's just hes just an absolute all-star. But I think without him and that team, I'm just not sure what they would really do, even though they have a lot of talent around him. Agreed. Uh, it, obviously, we can assume that probably Bale hasn't found his, his form or gotten into that team, but they don't have another number nine. I know that we've seen a couple lineups being thrown around when Sun plays up front and he plays more of the center forward role, but but Kane opens up that whole front three. He's the one, like, when Sun was flying or closer to the beginning of the season, it was Kane that was picking up even that one game four assists in one game. Uh, like, he's just that unlocks that front three no matter what your opinion of Harry Kane and how slow he may be but he is like kind of the MVP in the and he's I mean he's their captain justifiably so and the only reason I really ask about like because I I I am I was pretty high on Tottenham and like seeing how good they could be but over these past couple weeks the after gambling perspective they always put like a minus one score line for them and justifiably so because the past three games they they squeak by West Brom here this past weekend one nothing. They squeak by Brighton where that was one one for most of that game. And they get a late goal to to win two nothing. It was uh, Gareth Gareth Bale actually picking up his first Premier League goal in the seventy third minute of that Brighton game, and then going against uh, Burnley they get another seventy six minute goal, finishing that game one nothing against a team like Burnley where, I mean Tottenham only had three shots on target. So, I don't know. I think that's re- really where I was getting at, where it's like, I don't really know how to put my finger yeah, on Yeah, I almost think they're team. such a classic Jose Mourinho team where they're just going to squeak by and get a lot of wins, but not maybe be the most like fun, exciting team to watch. Um, but you got to say, like, 
good teams yeah. that win the Premier League go into games, don't play that well, and can still get wins. And this is what the team's doing right now. And may if it's working, it's working. Um, I just think with a lot of their players being yeah. really good and getting sent on international duty constantly and playing a ton of games, and I don't think they have as much depth as some of the other top teams. I think that's something they might really struggle with. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, maybe they're not like a team that is pushing for the the league this year. Maybe like someone who's going to win the league, but pretty pretty confident that Tottenham might find their way in the in a top four discussion by the end of the season and get back into the Champions League. Tottenham, even though they're sitting at second place right now, um, uh, just be just in just behind Leicester, but just in front of us on goal differential. Yeah, I think it would be a shame for them to miss out on the. Champions League. So as long as Liverpool makes it, they can make it too. Yeah, fine. agreed. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. They can be in it right behind us. But talking about their neighbours in the in the northern part of London, of course we're talking about Arsenal here, their arch rival. They're a team where they're even trickier to put your finger on because they go in and they get a great win against Man United. They get their first win at Old Trafford since 2006. And then they go and drop an egg against Aston Villa. It was it's a little bit harder to say like Aston Villa's just flying because we're looking at them. And if Aston Villa they're they're they have a gaming hand, of course, if they win that, they'd be top of the league. So Aston Villa's flying. So are they like a real team beating Arsenal three nothing, or is just like a classic Arsenal dropping the ball off in our Could it be win? both? I think it maybe could be both. Aston is looking really good, and they're could, hot yeah. right now. I think they're probably – I think last time they had the big win against Liverpool, they went on the international break. And I think the one thing I thought was they were going to slow down a little bit and lose some momentum. Clearly not. They made it through the – or what, two or three more games, and then another international break. I think it's hard to bet against them right now. They're playing really, really well. Ross Barkley looks great again, which I loved. I loved him when he was on – Everton, Great. it was kind of a bummer things didn't work out at Chelsea. I love that he's back on Aston Villa and looking really good. He seems to unlock Jack Grealish a little bit, too. He's been looking great. It's just a really fun team. Or at least just take off the pressure for Jack Grealish because oh, Jack Grealish they, was I mean, you, it was like It was year. like two years ago when Crystal Palace was literally only Zaha. Not that that much has changed, but... Two years ago, yeah. Chris Paul couldn't do a thing if your team shut down Zaha. But if he had a great game, he would win. He would carry them, and that was how it, Jack Grealish was last year for Aston Villa. So it's nice to get, have him get a little support and really start to look like a great player. Yeah, I, I when I was watching this game and everything, they just they just looked a lot more of a balanced team. I last year I I kind of hid this take a little bit where I I just love <laughs> Tyrone Mings, the center back for Aston Villa. I I think he's really really good and he's a good story too, but. Of course, that midfield is really starting to come alive with Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley in there, and I really like the Ollie Watkins center. Yeah, it's that great they to see from the championship. championship player coming up to the Premier League, doing really well. Hopefully, he keeps it up. We saw Pookie last year fall off pretty quickly when things were going well. I, I'm, I'm don't think this is yeah. going to be the same. I think he's going to be a much more solid player consistently. Yeah, he's surrounded by a lot of guys, and he had a great, they had a great goal. Uh, I think it was their third goal, Ollie Watkins. He went in, and uh, someone pings, like, a 40-yard, a like, a cross-field ball to, like, um, almost near the goal line, uh, right on the edge of the box to Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley volleys it the other way. A, a cross goal, Ollie Watkins heads it in. It was just – it was it was almost – it was crazy. It was almost like crying <laughs> Barcelona and Washington. Aston Villa and Barcelona, but... a comparison you can make all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but I, it was good to see. I don't think I think they're still finding themselves, and they have a young coach. You know, like I, I wouldn't be too worried as an Arsenal fan. I think you got to look in the future. I think for a few years, maybe for the last four or five years, Arsenal has really tried to make it work right away. And I'm hoping that they give them some time and let the team grow a little bit. I think they can be a really solid team. I agree. It, and I did want to talk about this a little bit because it does seem like they were. Because you you can only put out so many you can only put on so many band aids or put out so many fires you can't just go in and bring one guy like um, with the manager that they have um, Arteta you can't just go and fix everything expect everything to be good right away look at what what were we talking about last year with Arsenal they had one of the most calamitous 
defenses in the whole Premier League. They would go in and just get wiped the floor with anybody because you had David, Lee, David Luiz and Mustafi back there defending your goal, and it was just horrible, just horrible. But now we're looking at them. I know they just gave up three goals to Aston Villa, but before that game, they had one. Of the, they had the best defensive record in the league. They just did. They had a great defense going for them. I really, really liked the the signing with Gabriel that they have the new uh, Brazilian center back that they have for him. Um, their their defense just looks quite good, and so that's one thing that you can obviously see that they they brought in. They wanted to go and change that, and they bring us Thomas Partey, the new center defensive mid that they have at Arsenal. Um, it just really does look like they're missing that one piece that's that's uh, like a center attacking midfielder um, for them that that kind of just adds that transition between defense to offense and unlocking that final third because we know they have great final three players with Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette. So uh, it, only if they had a guy that they were paying 300 grand a year to be a, one of the best uh, um, center attacking midfielders in the world. No, only if they had that. Yeah, who's just for January? Who's just player? Oh, wait. is such an odd story. It's just so. It's just so odd. I, I, I don't know how. He must actually not be doing well in practice. Does he practice with the main team still? He does. I think is that was kind of one of the latest things for this season where he was posting a bunch of stuff on Twitter, talking about like. The pictures of him in training and joking around with the team, hanging out with the coach and stuff. You're like, oh, this is finally the guy where Ozo can get into the squad and start making a name for himself in this in this team. But he still can't get in the squad, though. I don't really get it. He, I don't know. Maybe we're we're getting into. Uh, I don't really know too much about Arteta's tactics, but maybe we're getting too much into the into the new age of the Premier League where everyone's pressing, everyone's super high pace. You can't be lollygagging around the pitch. And if we know one thing about Ozil is that he's not a presser. He he does walk around a ton. He's not a big effort guy, but he does know how to put a, put a pass together. He does know how to feed into the strikers and everything. Yeah, and he really likes to like Twitter posts about people saying they miss Ozil and they want him back on the in the Arsenal team. He really likes to do that as well, <laughs> which I just really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, I don't know. Arsenal, bring Ozil back. Try it a little bit. Maybe you won't be able to score Try it against one Liverpool. Goal in a game. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. But I mean, that was, that was all I really wanted to talk to talk about for like the, the the games from the past match week. I really, but I we we talked about last we talked about Aston Villa like, of the teams that are kind of surprising us a little bit. Um, but the one team that we didn't touch on is the one that's in the Champions League position right now. They were in first place after as of the end of the day on Friday. Is it's Southampton? They've been putting goals and goals and goals up. They've been putting results and results up. And they found themselves fourth in the Premier League. Miraculously. I almost can't even explain it. They've been playing so well, but they've been grinding out wins. Big Danny Ings guy. Who can who can cheer against Danny Ings? I feel like he's been in the Premier League forever, just scoring some goals. And I'm so glad that I didn't change my pick because on our because uh, Danny Ings is going to be out for a couple for a couple games. Um, he did not play this past this past week and. On our and that was the first I heard that was on our preview episode um, that came out on Friday. Where I w- I was high on Southampton, I went in with my Southampton pick for that game, and Gray just goes, "Oh yeah, with Danny Ings out, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Newcastle in this one." I was like, "Oh, Danny Ings is out. Um, I might need to change my pick." But luckily, I didn't. They, Jay Adams just kind of filled in the shoes of Danny Ings, and yeah, they're, yeah, they're moving on. Um, him. I, I I'm a little. Uh... Especially this last weekend, I feel like Newcastle just really is not good. I just they are just really terrible. They're quite bad. Yeah, they're not. Um, and they have I love Saint Maximum. He's such a fun, exciting yeah. player. I mean, and just so was... sad that he sits on this team and tries to create every chance for them. Yeah, they they really are in a good team. I think if they they have a good couple of good players though too. They have Callum Wilson up front. Maybe they just need to move on from Steve Bruce. I know Steve Bruce kind of shocked some people by not being a relegation team last year, but 
maybe it's time to move on and get more of a, a creative manager who can really put yeah, the, it just feels like Newcastle is way too big of a have, team to just try and but, be trying to avoid relegation every year. You know, they should be trying to compete for those top eight spots. Exactly. Yeah. They, they should be doing what Southampton's yeah, doing right now. No reason that they can't be. Southampton's past couple of games, they obviously had the 2-0 result against Newcastle on Friday, but 4-3 against Aston Villa, 2-0 against Everton, 3-3 against Chelsea, and 2-0 in, in West Brom in their past couple of games. Their really only bad game of the season was a 5-2 shackling against Tottenham, which is when... Son and Kane kind of found all the right pieces at the right time. Unfortunate for Southampton, but I don't know. They they look like a pretty decent team, and they don't have any hard opponents coming up. They have Wolves, Man United, Brighton, and Sheffield United coming up in their next easy wins uh, across four games. So <laughs> I don't know for a top four team. Easy wins. Anyone anyone can <laughs> get uh, anyone can get points against Man United nowadays. All right. Anything, anything you want to add? Any, uh, any last pieces of knowledge from the past week? No, the Premier League I have action? an update on the David Beckham eSports team. Would you like to hear it? They played uh, in yeah. their yeah, first official event, and they lost their first game, and they got booted from the qualifiers. So they're playing again next week. So I will, I will check it again next week for, for the next update on his team. We need a weekly update on how their, their eSports team is going. Amazing? I watched their, that little hype video, and... and uh, it was everything you would have wanted <laughs> exactly. it to be. Exactly, that's from exactly why it was so incredible. 